Evidence and Answers. The confirmation of the truth of Islam rests upon its founder, Muhammad. His role in the religion cannot be understated. Muslims believe that Muhammad is the perfect example to follow in all aspects of life. The Quran states that in Muhammad, ye have indeed in the Apostle of God a beautiful pattern, an excellent model of conduct. That's found in Surah 33, 21. How does the life and example of Muhammad compare with the life of Jesus? You're listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is a national and international speaker, teacher, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat presents a comparative study on the lives of Jesus and Muhammad. I'm sure you will find this to be a fascinating study of the leaders of the two largest religions in the world today. Let's join Pat now for this informative study on Jesus and Muhammad. We have been comparing the leaders of the two largest religions in the world, Jesus and Muhammad. And when you compare the two men side by side, I believe Jesus is far superior to Muhammad. Now, we talked previously about the prophethood or the prophetic claims of Muhammad claiming to be a prophet of God. Yet we looked at his qualifications. There are no prophecies made of the coming of Muhammad and of Jesus. There are over a hundred prophecies made centuries before he sets foot upon the earth and he fulfills each one. And then in the Quran, Muhammad makes no prophecies and Jesus, however, make several prophecies which come to pass. In the Quran, Muhammad does no miracles. He does not have a legacy of miracles. In the Bible, Jesus demonstrates authority over every realm of creation, doing miracles, showing authority over every realm of creation. And finally, prophets and apostles of God should not contradict previous revelation given by God. And Muhammad clearly contradicts the teachings of the Bible, of the prophets and the apostles that preceded him. God is not a God of contradiction. He won't contradict his own word. Yet Muhammad rejects or contradicts major teachings of the Bible, especially the death, deity, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so for these reasons, I believe the prophethood of Muhammad should be in question. But also, when you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus is far superior to Muhammad. Now let's examine the moral life of Muhammad and Jesus. Now, Muslims claim that after his prophetic call, Muhammad did not sin. In fact, some state that his Sin nature was taken out after his prophetic calling. Yet throughout the Quran, for example, chapter 40 of the Quran, Muhammad is called to confess his sin. Chapter 48 of the Quran, Muhammad was called to seek forgiveness for his sins. Renowned Muslim historian Haeckel writes that in this regard, Muhammad was as fallible as anyone. Now remember, Muhammad was a warrior, and in his battle, he slaughtered thousands in battle. Muslims claim that these were defensive battles, but if you study the history of Islam in his earliest biography, it's really hard to defend that claim. You know, Muhammad supported his growing army in Medina early by raiding 
trade caravans, and this is really hard to defend as being defensive battles. In fact, in a famous raid after he conquered Mecca, the raid of Kabar, he attacked an unarmed Jewish farming village. Ibn Ishaq, who writes the oldest biography of Muhammad, states that they lay waiting until sunrise, and then he states, "We met the workers of Kabar coming out in the morning with their spades and baskets. These men weren't armed, and they were attacked, and they slaughtered over seventy men. And of course, Muhammad, seeing the leader of Kabar, thinking." That he knew where gold was, tortured this man all day by burning coals upon his chest, and in the end he would not reveal where gold was, and he was beheaded. And then Muhammad, seeing that his Jewish wife was beautiful, took her as one of his wives and raped her all night long. Now remember, Muhammad is absolutely key to Islamic faith. He is the perfect example to follow. In all aspects of life, remember chapter thirty-three of the Quran writes, "Ye have indeed in the Apostle of God a beautiful pattern and an excellent model of conduct." In chapter four of the Quran, it emphasizes that obedience to Muhammad's teaching is equivalent to obeying Allah. It states, "He who obeys the Apostle obeys Allah." So it's important to understand the life. Of Muhammad and the model and the example that he set, Christians are to follow the example of Jesus Christ, and so that's why it's important we look at the contrast between these two men and see what kind of example that they set. When it came to his critics, those that criticize Muhammad, how did he treat them? Well, those who criticize Muhammad, he had them assassinated and killed. For example, there's the account of Abu Afaq. He was over a hundred years old, and he criticized Muhammad. And Muhammad had him assassinated while he was sleeping. A female poet named Marwan was infuriated by the murder of this man and wrote verses condemning Muhammad's men. Hearing of her criticism, Muhammad asked, "Who will rid me of Marwan's daughter?" And one of his followers, Al Khatami, volunteered and killed her and her unborn child that night. And Umar Al Khatami was worried that he had committed some kind of grave sin. And when he spoke to the Prophet Muhammad, reassured him, saying, "Two goats won't butt their heads about her." Once again, this is according to Ibn Ishaq, the earliest and most authoritative biography of Muhammad. He was. Criticized after the Battle of Bader, a man named Ibn Al Ashraf traveled to Mecca and prayed for the dead in Mecca, hoping to arouse the Meccans against Muhammad. And then this man foolishly returned to Medina. Well, Muhammad's men pretended to receive him as their friend. They lured him to a waterfall and then they assassinated him. Muhammad's men severed. The man's head and was thrown at Muhammad's feet, and Muhammad praised Allah for the good work of these men. Once again, this is according to Ibn Ishaq, the earliest, most authoritative biography of Muhammad. And these assassinations were sanctioned by Muhammad by revelation from Allah. 
Chapter 8, verse 68 of the Quran states, It has not been for any prophet to take captives until he has slaughtered in the land. So even today, Muslims today take seriously any criticism against Muhammad. For example, we know the famous death fatwa or religious ruling that was given against Salman Rushdie, the author of the novel The Satanic Verses. And many of us saw early in 2006, riots, many of which were violent, broke out worldwide over Danish cartoons depicting Muhammad. Many who reacted violently believe they responded in a manner exemplifying Muhammad's example. Now compare that with Jesus. To those who criticized Jesus, he responded with the Word of God. He often rebuked them, pointing them to the Word of God or contradictions in their teachings. But ultimately, what did Jesus teach? Love those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. And he modeled that example by dying on the cross. Even those who rejected him and his words were on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In contrast to Muhammad, who had his critics and enemies assassinated. Quite a contrast between these two here. Now another aspect of the moral life of Muhammad that should be looked at is the marriages of Muhammad, Muhammad and his harem. Now, according to the Quran, Muslim men may marry up to four wives. And Muhammad taught that men may marry up to four wives, but he had many more. And according to revelation from God, which he received later on in chapter 33, although Muslim men are restricted to four wives, Muhammad, by revelation from Allah, was given an exception in chapter 33 of the Quran. However, some of these marriages are very questionable. For example, in chapter 33 of the Quran, we have Muhammad's very controversial and questioned marriage to the wife of his son-in-law. His son-in-law, Zaid, he married his wife, Zainab. Now, According to Middle Eastern tradition, one's son-in-law is equal to one's own son. So this would be considered uh, something like incest. It's a very controversial marriage here. According to the story, Muhammad walked into the tent of his son-in-law. His son-in-law was not there, but Zainab, his wife, was there. And he was struck by her incredible beauty. And knowing this, his son-in-law offered his wife to Muhammad, at which he originally refused. But soon after, he got a revelation from Allah, chapter 33, verse 37 of the Quran, that Allah allowed him to marry his son-in-law's wife. Here's another one of Muhammad's wives that I talked about earlier, Safiya. Now, this happened at the raid of Kabar, the Jewish farming village, where Muhammad attacked a farming village as the men came out early in the morning with their pickets and shovels. And Muhammad attacked the men and slaughtered 70 of them. Then, seeking treasure, he tortured the leader of this Jewish farming village, Kinana, by burning coals upon his chest for hours. Finally, after the day was done, Muhammad had Kinana beheaded. 
Well, then he saw Kenana's wife, Sophia, and saw that she was beautiful. So he took this Jewish woman as his wife and raped her all night long and added her to his harem. Then we have, of course, his well-known marriage to his favorite wife, Aisha, whom he married when she was six. And she writes in the Hadith that she consummated her marriage when she was nine. Aisha herself states that. And Muhammad at this time was a man in his mid to late 50s when this occurred. Now, it is recorded in Islamic writings that Muhammad sought to divorce his wives on several occasions. The famous Muslim biographer Haeckel writes that the wives of the Prophet went so far as to plot against their husband. He often ignored some of his wives and avoided others on occasion. Indeed, favoritism for some of his wives had created controversy and antagonism among the mothers of believers that Muhammad once thought of divorcing some of them. That's according to Muslim biographer Haeckel. For example, on one occasion, his wife Hafsa found him in bed with her maid, a Coptic woman named Mary. And she was so upset, she told the other wives and they ostracized the prophet. And he got a revelation that he would be allowed to divorce them for more submissive wives. That's chapter 66, verse 15 of the Quran and also in Ibn Ishaq's biography here. Now that is just a very brief overview of the moral aspect of the life of Muhammad. Compare that to the life of Jesus who had no sin. Paul writes of Christ in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that we in him might become the righteousness of God. In John chapter 10, when Jesus challenged his enemies and said, For what sin do you hold me accountable for? They said they couldn't point to any. They simply said, Well, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. When Jesus stood before Pilate, Pilate looked at him and said, This man has done nothing wrong. Even the Quran, in chapter 19 of the Quran, states that Jesus and Mary were not tainted by sin. So when you examine the moral life of Jesus and Muhammad, the claim that Muhammad, after his prophetic calling, did not sin, stands in question. But Jesus Christ, from his birth, was not known to have sinned, something the Bible teaches and even the Quran itself teaches. So when you look at their moral lives, Jesus is far superior to Muhammad. Now, another aspect of their life to look at as we compare these two is the realm of angels and demons. One of the things we discover about the life of Muhammad is that he was susceptible to demonic influence. Muhammad struggled with demonic possession throughout his life. We see that early on, for example, in his prophetic calling. At age 40, Muhammad received his first visitation from the angel Gabriel. Now, according to Ibn Ishaq, the oldest biography of Muhammad, the giving and receiving of revelation was very violent in nature. He writes, Gabriel came to Muhammad and ordered him to read his message. Being illiterate, Muhammad asked Gabriel, What shall I read? And it is then Gabriel pressed Muhammad so hard that Muhammad thought he was going to die. This was repeated three times until Muhammad read the following message from Gabriel. Read in the name of thy Lord who created you, who created man of blood coagulated. Read, thy Lord is most beneficent, 
taught that which they knew not unto men. And after this, the angel Gabriel departed. Now Muhammad was terrified by this incident and returned home trembling and sought to hide under a blanket. And he first thought that he had come under demonic influence. And he cried to his wife, cover me, cover me. In fact, he was so troubled. Ibn Ishaq records that he was suicidal. Ishaq records that since Muhammad did not want anyone in his tribe to discover that he could possibly be demon-possessed, he resolved to go to the top of a mountain and commit suicide. However, it's his wife, Khadija, and her cousin, Waraka, a Ebionite Christian, who encouraged him by stating that he was not possessed, rather, a prophet of God. So you see there how Muhammad received his visions. He struggled. He didn't know if he was demonically possessed or if it had come from God. Now compare that with how the biblical prophets and apostles received their visions. They did not question whether they were possessed or not. They knew their message was from the Lord. They could tell the difference very easily. And when an angel often came with his message, he didn't treat these prophets violently as Muhammad was treated. In fact, often the first words out of the angel's mouth, for example, to Mary and the shepherds and the Old Testament prophets was, fear not or do not be afraid. So it's contrary to the message and experience from which Muhammad received his visions. Now, Ibn Ishaq records an incident during Muhammad's early childhood when his foster parents, Al-Harith and Halima, were raising Muhammad. And Ishaq records that one day while behind the tents, two men clothed in white threw Muhammad to the ground, opened up his belly, and searched through it. His foster father felt that the boy might have suffered a stroke while his foster mother, Halima, the woman who had nursed Muhammad from childhood, believed that a demon had possessed him. And then we have the famous satanic verses. After his prophetic call, Muhammad believed he received a revelation allowing Muslims to worship the three gods of his tribe. However, according to Ibn Ishaq, he later admitted that Satan possessed him when he uttered those verses. Chapter 17, verses 73 through 75, Allah eventually forgave Muhammad and gave him a stern warning, which is recorded in that passage in the Quran. Also, another time after his prophetic calling, according to Ibn Ishaq, once again, Muhammad fell under the spell of a Jewish magician named Labid for one year. Now that stands in stark contrast to Jesus Christ, who demonstrated clear authority over the angelic realm. When Jesus met demonic forces, the demons were absolutely terrified of Jesus. You know, during his temptation early on in the desert, early in his ministry, he did not struggle with possession, but instead defeated Satan's attacks authoritatively and decisively with the Word of God. And throughout his ministry, Jesus demonstrated authority over the demonic realm and the demons were absolutely terrified of him throughout the Gospels. We see how the demons were just utterly terrified of Christ. In Luke chapter 8, 
Jesus comes upon a man in the country of the Gerasenes, a demonically possessed man. In fact, this man was possessed by many demons, came before Jesus and Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered into him. So here's a man possessed by many demons. And it says that these demons begged Jesus not to command them to depart into the abyss. And so these demons were terrified of the authority of Christ because they knew who he was, God incarnate, and they trembled and begged mercy that they not be thrown into the abyss in front of Jesus. And you know that how the story ends? There was a large herd of pigs feeding nearby and they begged to go into the pigs. And so Jesus allowed them to go in and those pigs rushed over a steep bank and drowned in the lake below. So Jesus defeated Satan himself at the temptation and he defeated Satan and the demonic hosts through his death and resurrection from the dead. Paul states in Colossians that Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them on the cross, according to chapter 2, verse 15 of the book of Colossians. So when you compare the lives of these two men, Jesus and Muhammad, you look at the moral life of Muhammad, how Muhammad treated his enemies, the way Muhammad spread his message. So when you compare the moral lives of these two men, how Muhammad received his prophetic calling, how he spread his message through the sword, how he treated his critics and those who do not believe in his message, how he treated women and his wives, the moral life of Muhammad and the sinless, miraculous life of Jesus. There's no comparison there. Jesus is far superior to Muhammad. And you look at the authority over the spiritual realm, over angels and demons, how Muhammad struggled in his battle against demonic possession compared to Jesus Christ, who clearly demonstrated authority over the angelic realm. And you look at the two and you see that Jesus is far superior to Muhammad. Now we're going to look at several other aspects as we continue to compare the lives of Jesus and Muhammad. And I hope if there are any Muslims listening out there that it's not my intent to insult Muhammad in any way. But we're looking at the facts of their lives according to the most authoritative sources we have here. The Quran and the Hadith and Ibn Ishaq's the earliest, most authoritative biography, and presenting a clear comparison between Jesus and Muhammad according to the most accurate records here, the New Testament for Jesus and these works on Muhammad. I hope you can see the stark contrast between these two men here, between Jesus and Muhammad. And perhaps I encourage my Muslim friends out there to really examine then the life of Jesus who made a unique claim to be the divine Son of God and demonstrated the truth of this claim through His miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. Compared to Muhammad who claimed to be the prophet of Allah, yet does not have a prophetic legacy, we knew had to repent of sin, whose message contradicted the previous revelation of God in the Old and New Testament, and compare him to Jesus Christ. And there's a stark contrast here. And perhaps you would like to more closely examine the life of Jesus Christ, 
The most accurate record is found there in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. And I would recommend beginning with the Gospel of John and see what the historical records say about this man, Jesus Christ. Well, we'll come back next time here on Evidence and Answers as we finish examining comparative study between the life of Jesus and Muhammad. So we'll see you here next time here on Evidence and Answers. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers. I hope you're enjoying this series on Islam. If you missed any part of this show or would like to learn more about Islam, log on at evidenceandanswers.org. This show relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pat's teaching and would like to partner with him, please support him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers is brought to you by our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions for more than 20 years. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us next time as we continue our series on Islam, right here on Evidence and Answers.